Whether we acknowledge it or not, every action and decision we make as individuals or as a community is dictated by our perception of the future. But how can we harness or even grasp what's to come in the future and improve our ability to make better decisions? I'm Craig James, your host, and you're listening to Big Audacious Idea, the show that invites you to think big. This season on Big Audacious Idea, we're examining the human experience in the face of uncertainty and change. Jens Hansen has molded a career out of studying past and present global trends to make informed predictions about the future. Jens sees the future not as some unidentifiable inevitability of tomorrow, but as a potentially controlled reaction to today. Jens is joining us on Big Audacious today to tell us more about the relationship between the past, the present, and the future. Jens is an experienced leader, senior executive advisor, facilitator, and coach who seeks to create new leadership and entrepreneurial strategies which are informed by our possible future. And Jens, thank you so much for joining the show. Well, thank you for having me. I've been looking very much forward to having our conversation today. Thank you. And likewise, and no better place to start, Jens, uh, but to, if you would be so kind to, well, give us a quick one-two on you. Okay, um, so let me try to do this a little bit differently. I'm trying to be a practitioner of uh, mindfulness, of purposefulness, of accountability and system thinking, and mixing those in the more specific things in my life. Uh, the more specific things that I uh, spend my time on is entrepreneurship and leadership. It's about uh, coaching and mentoring. It's future readiness. And then it's putting my money where my mouth is. So I'm investing in what I believe will create a better future specifically for uh, the most possible people. Thanks for, again, your, your, your sharing in so many ways. And, you know, as you speak to the idea of future, I think it's useful, even essential, for us to look at the future lens through a rear view mirror at the same time, to look at history, to inform us. And it's so interesting to look at, at time or the human experience through the lens of time. And if we look back, way back, like in the book Super Trends, uh, you know, that goes back 400,000 years, we, we investigate human progress and patterns of it or lack of it. And maybe it helps prop up our discussion as we begin into the future and our collective thinking about the future. Share with us a little bit when you think, not about future yet, but the past. Tell us about what went on with humans for the last 400,000 years or so. Oh, that would be easy to answer that one. So, no. so what has been going on is an incredible mix of progress and great suffering uh, to make that progress possible. Suffering that we can't even imagine it today, but we are just benefiting from other people having been suffering in wars and in fights to build things and uh, mining uh, the underground and building tunnels and so on. So if we go even further back, um, just to even do stone cutting uh, 250,000 years before Christ, to actually perform burials that you thought of that maybe we should respect our dead people and dig a grave, how we invented knives and ropes, 
all this happened with maybe 50,000 years in between. <laughs> so it, there wasn't the need for newspapers because there wasn't a lot of news. <laughs> so they were only invented later. So there was this wonderful, when we first came into the internet age, there was this um, wonderful book written about the long tail. But the long tail is so much longer than anybody will imagine. And this is so important to remember today where we want instant everything. Everything that matters do take time and effort. Nothing is instant. If it is instant, somebody did the work before you. And so that's really important. And that's where we should be appreciative of where we stand because we stand on so much. And that's because we have had innovation going on a long time before we invented the word innovation. All the wars and all the experiments that have been going on, even when, let's take one of the big ones, Galileo Galilei, who confronted the Catholic Church and spoke about how our planets worked and was totally crossed by the weight of the church and their teaching. So to go up against those forces, we have no idea what it took. I cannot even today imagine what it would be equivalent to do today. All this have created progress and every time we came on to a new level, sometimes a level have existed for quite a while before it took a new rise. So um, that have been, the let's say, looking into the past, in that sense, the past is still here. Now, a part of my work today is entrepreneurship. And entrepreneurship is a lot of experimentation. Now, it's very high-level experimentation where I'm building on top of everything else that have been built. But before I get to where I want to go with whatever I try to build in my entrepreneurial endeavor, it takes time and I will do mistakes and I'll have to start over. Uh, but that's in a totally different, comfortable environment than have existed before. Well, what's interesting about this, Jens, is uh, what I hear you saying is when we look perhaps at the more recent past, and when I say more recent, call it 5,000, 1,000, or a few hundred years, and we look at the patterns that happened or are happening in the more recent past, is this, I uh, hear you saying, and one of our guests, uh, Philip Auerswald, said um, that the platforms that we developed as humans then are the foundation for the next platform and innovation. And it proves the interdependency of all of our work together as humans and leads to really our first pillar of discussion today that has to do with the idea of our collective ability, especially now in these times. Uh, but before we get there, that idea of recent past and innovation and accomplishments of humans going into this exponential mode that we've experienced and in the book, Super Trends, hyper exponential, which is fascinating, meaning not in any one domain of life, but all. And so we're in this moment of now that's a combination of past, present, and future. It's an exciting and even scary place to be. And as we reflect very quickly, we can't help but think, look forward. And I would be interested in your thoughts around how we look to the future. Are we good at it? Are some of us better than others? Are we as a humankind not good at all at imagining the future. T tell us a little bit about your thoughts there. Yeah, so thank you for that opportunity. So what we have been doing for a while in the very near past is we've been building efficiency into very narrow concepts. 
So we have been working in silos. We have been looking at very particular incremental improvements in very specific areas of what we do. Going forward, we need to fan out. We need to engage across everything we know. So the way that we many times talk about that is that when we have this laser focus in order to be good at a lot of things, we now need to combine that and build a radar focus, or radar view rather, so that we see all the moving parts at the same time without being confused and find out how to literally connect the dots. Going into the future with all this, and you just mentioned hyper exponentiality, when we are increasing at a very high speed, different areas, then when you combine those, all the exponential curves, they come together and be, become hyper exponential. And that really, really projects us into a very different time very quickly. And on this note, uh, with our recent experience in the COVID-19 situation we have been through, I'm not calling it a crisis. It is in many aspects a crisis for many, many people. However, looking at it as an entrepreneur, for me, it's more about how we could see that coming together and having to cope with a massive singular problem that we all faced, that how fast we could progress when we combine different things. So the exponentiality there is represented in how more and more people get sick if we are not careful. But there's another exponentiality going on, and that's the speed in which we were able to build on past innovations of cloud computing and so on. And everybody could move to a different place of working. And in so many cases, we have heard that businesses became not only as efficient as before, but the quality went up. And so that's, of course, true for a lot of white collar work. And we are in a service industry time. There is still factory work going on that was more challenging, but a lot of our economy is created. So that's the best example I can give of. We've all now seen how we move into the future. So the way we speak about this is that those few months where we were in the midst of that situation, let's say it was five months. We have actually moved five to 10 years ahead in a direction that we would have done anyway. So we have progressed faster than ever before in the middle of a crisis. We often hear about the individuals who took the oath of office to become the chief executive. But what about the other people who play a role in each administration or the events that may not be as well known, but that contribute to the reshaping of the office of the American presidency? On the presidencies of the United States, we explore each administration beyond just the person holding the highest elected office in order to better understand the history that brought us to the modern day presidency. I hope you'll join me on this journey through the annals of presidential history. Presidencies can be found anywhere fine podcasts can be found and is a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network. Here on Big Audacious Idea, we are prone to investigate questions that seem 
polar opposites and we're finding that there's no such thing in life and we tend to be binary right or wrong left or right uh, and and everything's getting increasingly integrated and interdependent and exponential and hyper exponential so what you bring to the fold about five months performing five to ten years worth of progress is very very provocative uh, indeed and so this idea of balance across different continuum. And also we're talking about time today. And what's interesting about the discussion when you mentioned COVID, the pandemic, whether characterized as crisis or otherwise, that's a time stamped yet timeless dynamic. And so what's beautiful about the show is, is one can pick up any one episode and it's timeless. The principles apply. You're speaking to something that isn't about the year 2020, but we can't help recognize that in this moment right now, as we record in July of 2020, we're in the throes of it. And so we have a lot to learn in this moment and moments in the future from this discussion. That big preamble leads to a thought. You brought my attention to the idea of humans working together more seamlessly and integrated on platforms of former innovation. And what's interesting, you alluded to technology and how we were able to leverage it during the pandemic. And it makes me think about the relationship with technology, you know, humans and our friend machines and machines and what do they think about us humans? If you have some thoughts there, I'd be really interested. Our listeners, I'm sure would love to hear what you think about the future in the context of humans and machines working together. Um, there, I will actually mention uh, a book um, that's called Machine Platform Crowd that came out two or three years ago. Uh, that's really talking about this concept as it is. So we have the machines and they are becoming clever and clever all the time. We have platforms that are putting these machines capabilities together and then the crowd being all us people. So technology today is so multifold. And what's really interesting in also coming back to what we talked about before in a historic perspective, when a stone and a rope and a knife was the technology, it has always brought progress. Now, not all progress is perfect when it just shows up. We need to adjust it. So we have been coming through a period where we have been working very much with fossil fuels as a technology uh, concept in order to have energy enough to move forward in the world. Now, as we have had some time to move into the next level of technology, we can now clean this up and as some people are standing on the sidelines and being nervous about that we are destroying the world, we see technological innovation as our saviors. So the way that works is if we, at different plateaus of technological development, create some things that have side effects, then the next level will be created and eliminate those side effects or even eliminate that level of technology. So we are on a journey and as much as we are maybe almost falling all the time because we move forward as we always do when we run or we walk, we catch ourselves falling and we move forward instead of falling. And we see technological development totally in that light. So in this time where there is so much like we have nanotechnologies, we have biotechnologies, we have new what we call agri-tech, uh, we have so much going on at the same time. 
And we are back in the hyper-exponential context where these play in together. And by doing so, the technology that we are working with today is going to be the answer to so many people who are worried about our world destroying itself. We have been out of balance for a while, but we believe that we will, of course, continue the long, 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 long journey we've been on and we will save ourselves and we, we are in the process of doing so. So what we would like to is engage with some of those people that are most nervous and have maybe a different conversation than the conversation that's taking place where we would rather stop everything and be at the level where we are because that will stop our journey and then we will be in a bad place. Does that mean that there are two interdependent domains of this human experience? One that's machine run, so to speak, and one that's human managed and, and then we compare notes or is it becoming more of a, as we were alluding to earlier, an integration where it's even becoming difficult to distinguish what's human and what's machine and vice versa? So my answer to that would be that I would never be confused. So let me just mention a few words like empathy and love, sense-making, creativity, intuition, judgment, abstraction, all those concepts. As long as I live, for me, they will be human. Now, as clever as machines will be to do analysis and categorization and a lot of other things, that's totally beautiful. And we should never get confused about who is in control. Now, even if we have an autonomous vehicle and it's driving, we are in control. We can shut it off. <laughs> um, so it's very important that we make machines work for us and that we actually become conscious about that because now I'm not alluding to any movies or anything else, but if we are not conscious about it, there might be situations where we would feel that now the machine is running us and that would be off track totally as amazing ai and um, virtual reality and augmented reality is it's tools for us to be better humans and now with all the robotics that we have in manufacturing nobody is missing those hard jobs um, and we will continue to find out how to make use of our time going forward so many times it's argued that oh the machines will take our jobs yeah maybe they will and hopefully so <laughs> so, so we can get on to the next better thing so, um, so what does the future of work look like do you think how is it same or different so i think we will come back to some originality when we were traveling we traveled to places like Morocco or Turkey, or, and we wanted to see handcraft things. We wanted to see original creation of stuff that we couldn't buy at home. And now all that, because of the global nature of the world, is available in the same form everywhere. However, today, as we level ourselves as humans, we will come back to creativity and we will be having time and opportunity, both economically and time-wise, to create again 
on a smaller level. So that's how I see that one aspect of future work will be a lot of the tedious stuff, uh, putting a lot of numbers in columns or doing the same mechanical movement over and over again, that's gone. We will need to reinvent our whole educational journey to be able to support that new level of creativity because that's really not supported a whole lot today because it's it's like efficiency and it's it's system thinking and it's all that and that have helped us a lot but now we will need to shift so even to make the future of work make sense there's a lot of steps we need to go into and again coming back to the specific times we are going through where we have seen that these amazing universities that have their beautiful halls of fame and everything else become less important as we can remote learn and we can even be together while being remote better than ever before. So we will find out more and more that it's the institutions themselves, they play a role. But of course, at the end of the day, we are looking to be inspired by a specific professor or researcher that is doing something unique. And it's those people who can now break out of the institutions and basically offer courses much more on an individual basis. A little bit as we have seen artists break out of the big record companies and great journalists break out of the newspapers. So we are seeing the same pattern, but now in a new arena. In that arena, we can be educated to what will be the new platform of work a little bit further down the road. So the ecosystem of us working together and connecting, even if we're disconnected physically, we're connected through technology. And I hear you saying that the lessons of the past are more present in the current time than we might realize in the sense that the future might even take us back to the past, which sounds like double talk, I know, but if we arrive back at a creative place, and heck, that's what humans are meant to do. We're creators. Yes, we have to be operators, but at the core, we're creators. Jens, as we round out our conversation and we called attention to time or timelessness, whether listening to this when the pandemic is in the past, hopefully sooner than we know, there will be lessons to be learned. And as we are in the midst of it during this recording, one can't help but think, how does that shift or shape the human experience? And, you know, the show isn't about politics. This show isn't about any one view or another. It's more about exploration and discovery. Uh, this said, the topic of the body politic or governance or nation states have to be going under some sort of human review, I think. It's legitimacy, it's effectiveness or not. And I was uh, musing about, well, like, what's next? Uh, if there's an asteroid on a trajectory that's going to destroy the Earth, is a persuasive speech going to convince the asteroid not to hit the Earth? No. You know, we, we do political things and debates and have platform speeches and we're left or right based on humans working with other humans. But, you know, natural acts, pandemics or asteroids don't uh, choose political party. And I wonder uh, with that preamble, if the future, you know, the systems we have in place are becoming obsolete or if we have to think about this literally, as you said, you're a systems thinker, the systems of politics and governance, how that might have to change in the future, given what we're going through. I'm fascinated by this thought of government as a platform. 
which will be hugely efficient and be serving the people and will not have this inner force that we see in a lot of politics where this, the political system get confused and sometimes serves itself as much as the people. So if we could have government as a platform where basically it's doing its service of regulating and making sure that if you are in need, you can be helped. All these things that government needs to do, um, that for me would be one future scenario that we could uh, we could lean into. And I think that hopefully we will have elevated conversations uh, because now everybody, every single political system in the world have been uh, tested in the same test and they have had different outcomes. So we actually have the records. So we can go back and look at the data and we can see what was helpful on the short term, on the longer term, and we don't have that answer yet. So we are in the midst of it and there's all different playing fields. And um, I, would, I would be fascinated to look into this some years from now when we have all the data. Also in the reflection of a little bit of time past. So um, that's, that's how I see that we might learn from this and we, that maybe, this may be how we re, let's say, articulate what we mean with democracy, what we mean when we say for the people, by the people, and, and come back to some of that essential um, matters um, and then we can, you know, this will be an endless debate about big government and small government and all this. But I think that we have some data now, better than ever before, so we can have a better conversation. So um, I don't know the outcome, but I will follow it. <laughs> well, it's it's a beautiful thing if we can, as humans, take difficult times and see them as an opportunity. Never for a moment what I suggest that I would wish upon anyone, and there are so many heroes in our society across the globe doing the hard work. And we're very fortunate as white collar workers that we have the technology and capability to continue on and even better ourselves during this. Uh, but it's an opportunity, even as tragic as it is, as scary as it is, it's an opportunity for us to learn if we take the moment to be conscious, aware, and uh, embrace in the learnings as we fall forward. Um, in conclusion, Jens, I think you already did it so naturally, but I'd like to call out specifically or invite you to challenge us mm -hmm. uh, and our listeners. If you were to think about how we might be able to do something same or different or and think differently, what would you encourage us to do, each and every one of us? Yeah, oh, thank you for that. What I have become a strong believer of is the power of the individual and it's about how we actually show up and very very literally what is our mindset getting out of bed in the morning if we each of us look into what we may be able to do differently or better um, so it comes back to both how we show up what values we choose that should guide us 
and stick to those values that we think should guide us on an individual level. And then simply move a little bit away from the thinking of that others have to do our work, that we need to find somebody to blame. We can all do a little difference and I think that we have been exposed to that because we all have had time for ourselves like never before and with our closest ones that have been a fantastic time for reflection and conversation. How do we want as maybe a family, a small unit of some kind to move forward and what do we not want to continue? So. I think that we have an opportunity without being religious, without being one party or the other party, but just think about what is it that I would like that guides me and how can I contribute to what I would like to see more of. Um, so that's, that's uh, I, I see this as a fantastic opportunity to just do this little reflection. We've been talking with Jens Hensen thinker, leader, futurist. Jens, it's been a, such a treat to have you with us today. Thank you. It's been lovely to reconnect with you and, and have this wonderful conversation. It's always get to another level with you. <laughs> Thank you. I'm Craig James, your host, and this is Big Audacious Idea. Today, we learned about the relationship between our past in the future, and human collaboration and the integration of man and machine, and actually the interdependence between the two. There's good news here. As things get automated, we automate the things humans don't necessarily want to do or maybe aren't all that good at doing. But one thing only humans can do is to be human. We talked about how futurism isn't just musing and ideas, but it's an essential lens to look to the future and relevant to how we govern as a human society. And lastly, we talked about how consciousness is essential and that we learn to fall forward together into the future. I'm Craig James, your host, and you have been listening to Big Audacious Idea, the show that invites you to think big. Let us know what you think about today's chat by tweeting me at cjamescatstrat. And if you've enjoyed today's podcast, please rate and review us in your podcast app. It really helps. Big Audacious Idea is a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Learn more about our podcasts at evergreenpodcasts.com. I would like to thank our producer and audio engineer, William Pritz, production director, Bridget Coyne, and to my co-executive producer, Michael D'Aloya. Thanks for listening. Until next week, don't just think audacious, be audacious. That's what ransomware is all about. It's psychological pressure. Ransomware, when your computer's hacked into and your data held ransom. Attacks are on the rise and Russian gangs are making billions of dollars. The moment I got that message, I knew our greatest fears that we ever have are starting to come true. The post-Cold War era is over. Dot com, the hacking. A new season from Crowd Network with me, Katie Puckrick. Just search for dot com, that's D-O-T-C-O-M, and subscribe.
This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.